From the moment Father, that I wake, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are a prayer answering God. We thank you that from the moment we begin to pray, you answer our prayers. We thank you that we enjoy your generosity. We thank you for the boldness of Mordecai, the wisdom of Esther, the favor of Esther. We thank you that the lines are falling onto us in pleasant places. We thank you that you are for us. Therefore, nothing can be against us. We thank you that you are ordering the steps of our lives. We thank you that we can never be disadvantaged in this life. We thank you that all things are working together for our good. We thank you that you are our Father. And most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. Wow, we thank God that His goodness keeps running after us. And that goodness has qualified us to see another day. And as long as we have breath, you will work the works of Him who has sent us. Because the night season of our lives is drawing near, where we will not be able to work. We thank you for joining us for our episode tonight. And tonight will be our last study on the book of Esther. And taking us through will be Mama Bene. <laughs> so let's invite Bene, even as she takes us through the final parts of the book of Esther. Good evening. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity and I pray that Christ be exalted. So, um, first of all, we've been talking about the book of Esther for the past week now, and today being the fourth and final um, episode, we'll be, we'll be concluding with the chapters eight, nine, in 10. So we've been talking about the book of Esther for a while. And last week we witnessed um, a drastic turn of events. We witnessed um King Ahasuerus. <laughs> he had his and he wasn't able to sleep. So he commanded that books of, of records be read onto him. And that was the beginning of um, how Mordecai was exalted. So last week we talked about how Haman was humiliated and ultimately he was destroyed or he died so today we will continue and i liked what his wife said to him before he died here his wife said to him if mordecai before whom you began to fall is of jewish descent emphasizing on um, jewish descent you will not prevail against him and you will surely fall before him and so we ended last week of um, with Haman being hanged on the same gallows that he prepared for um, Mordecai, the same gallows which um, his wife Zeresh advised him to make. And some people will come up with interesting claims that uh, women are evil and all that, but um, they are equally great testimonies of good women and great women um, who have lived the exemplary lives as we are looking at Esther um, in this book. So it's amazing how one time she said that let the billows be made so that you have Mordecai hand. However, when Mordecai was um, exalted, when um, the king exalted Mordecai and then they sat him on a horse and then he ran um, to parade the city, the wife came back and said that, hey, no, dear, no, 
if Mordecai, before whom you began to fall, is of Jewish descent, as long as he said, you know that you will not prevail against him, and then surely you will fall. And it's true, he did fall, and today we will look at that. So um, we'll begin with chapter 8, chapter 8, so in chapter 8, I'm reading the first which um, verse, it says that on that day, the Kenahazarus gave the house of Haman and the Jewish enemy to Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the queen, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had from, which he had taken from him, and, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. So here, the king who gave the ring to um, the signet ring to Haman in chapter three, we see that this same signet ring symbolizing authority has been given to Mordecai by the king. And now, um, one thing I would like us to note in this um, this particular chapter, verse um, um, chapter eight, you see at this particular point, Haman had been killed and he had been hanged on his own gallows. And then Esther and Mordecai may be considered free from um, Haman, but then you know that even though um, Haman had died, they were quite not done yet because the plot and the decree that Haman had declared or made the king and set was still in full effect. So the decree um, Haman persuaded the king to make was still binding even though Haman was dead. So um, look at the decree in Esther chapter 3 verse 13 again. It says that and the letters were sent to the couriers into the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day on the 13th of the month. So um, you can see from the plot that Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, to totally annihilate them, meaning that he wanted to make them extinct. And you know, the person we can compare him and to in our day will be, let's say, Adolf Hitler. I don't know much, so much about him, but I'm sure when I mention his name, you have a fair idea of what he sought to do. And so that was what Haman sought to do. I don't know whether Adolf Hitler might have borrowed his plan or may have had inspiration from him, but it's quite similar. He also sought to annihilate or make the, um, the Jews totally extinct. So you can realize, I think the first episode we talked about that you can realize that um, the majority of the Jews at that particular time were scattered over all the, the 127 provinces. So before that, they were captured by um, the Assyrians. And then when they were captured, they were dispersed over foreign land. Those times when an enemy captures or an enemy fights a particular nation and then prevails over that particular nation, it was um, their system of enforcing authority or, um, or enacting rule over um, their, um, those they've captured. So the people who were under captivity were dispersed and sent to other foreign lands and vice versa so that it will make them disoriented and then it will make them separate from their countries and so they will still be vulnerable and under the control of that particular nation who has captured them. And we can all refer, make our inferences from um, the story of Daniel and the story of Nehemiah. So we can see that in both stories, they weren't even in their country, even though they were Jews, they were in foreign lands. And so at, 
Esther's era, they were set free. Uh, it's a time came for them to be set free as prophesied by the king Isaiah. But then at that particular time, a lot of them had not gone back to their countries and had not gone back to their country yet. They were still living in foreign lands and a lot of them were scattered over the 127 provinces ruled by King Ahasuerus. So what Naaman sought to do, if Naaman had tried, if Naaman had succeeded in his plans, it is very, very likely and he could potentially have made the Israelites extinct. And that's why when Esther went back to the king pleading with the king to counteract or abolish the evil scheme, of um, him and so in verses three to five we see Esther speaking to the king going before the king falling at his feet and seeking him with tears and she's saying that and Esther spoke yet again before the king and fell down at his feet and sought him with tears to put away the mischief of him and the other guys and his device that he had devised against the Jews so that's what Esther pleaded with the king that the evil scheme of, of Haman would be written or then would be revoked. So this was Esther's plea. And let whatever Haman has said be cleared of or be written over or be revoked. But then it's interesting the response the king gave Esther. And so let's listen to the word of King Ahasuerus. He said that, but whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. So whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. And this is quite interesting because um, what the king is trying to say is that um, whatever I had said earlier or whatever Haman did was permanent, nothing can be done about it. So whatever I have said concerning the people of the Jews and by the hand of um, Haman is permanent. However, he gives an alternative that then he gives an alternative or a way out that you yourself also can write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed in the king's signet ring, no one can look and emphasize on this. He said, for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed in the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. So as much as um, the, the king at this particular point was on the side of Esther and Mordecai, he had seen and then he had now come to life of the evil of Haman, and he even sought and he even um, ordered the death of Haman. But then at this particular point, he said, Even though I am on your side, there is nothing I can do about the word which I have already said. It is permanent because whatever I have written or whatever I have said, it cannot be revoked. It is permanent. So, whatever you want to do concerning this particular decree, you have to do another thing about it by writing yourself another decree. I remember when we were kids, let's say, and when we are playing, and then and someone will say, Oh, I'll share my myths with you. And if you let me play this particular game, or let's say, and give me this particular thing, I'll share something with you. See, when the time comes for us to make, um, to be accountable to our word, we'll say, Oh, my changing my not, or I've changed my mouth, I've changed my mouth, which means that whatever I said doesn't stand again. I've changed whatever um, I wanted to say, so my words doesn't stand again. But this, is what I call the, the word of the king. And the word of king 
of the king is forever binding. So King Ahasuerus was saying that whatever I have said, it is binding, it is permanent, it cannot be revoked. And this is also seen, this particular word of the king, which is binding, is also seen in the book of Daniel. And one and the king Darius, he made a ridiculous decree that whoever prays to any god within a particular um, um, days, like 30 days, will be thrown into the lion's den. See, he didn't really think about it, or he didn't think that his friend or someone he liked, like Daniel, will find himself and wanting with regards to this particular rule. But the Bible says that, so the Bible says that King Darius was sorry when he realized that Daniel was now a culprit, but then there was nothing he could do about it because the law he had made or the decree he had made was binding, so there was no going back on his way. So because he had made that particular decree, even though he liked Daniel, he still had to make Daniel go back or go into the lion's den. And I'm sure you also remember the daughter of Herodias and King Herod, who said that I will give you whatever you ask for up to half of my kingdom. The Bible said that also King Herod was sorry. He was sorry that when Herodias asked for John the Baptist head, but because he had said it, there was nothing he could do about it, and his words were binding. So the Bible makes us understand that truly um, John the Baptist was ordered to be beheaded because of what the king had um, what the king has said. And you see, with differences from these three kings, I've spoken about um, of how they are bound by their words. There's nothing they can do about a particular situation once they have made a decree or once they have talked about it. And I'm asking you, I want you to understand that I mean, as much as these are earthly men who are full of sin, who are full of error, if their words are binding and if their words are able to tie their hands and make them do whatever they are, um, they have said, how much more the King of Kings, how much more the Lord of Lords, how much more God, who is pure, who is just, who is faithful, how much more will he not do what he has said he will do? And I like what um, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 17 and 18 says, it says that does God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise, the immutability, that's the unchanging of his plans and his word, confirmed it by oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us. So it shows us that these kings are bounded by their words and they cannot do anything about it. We should also have the assurance and the consolation that God cannot lie. Whatever he has said, he's going to do it. He's even more faithful than these three kings I've mentioned. So we can learn from this, the book of Esther, how God's word is binding and how God's word is unchanging. If God has said he will do something, definitely he's going to do it. And I love how um, Psalm 138 verse 2 puts it. The Bible says that for you have magnified your word above your name. So God has magnified his word above his name. And so when I read it, this thought came to my mind. It's like you can call God, you can mention his name and say, Lord, Lord, Jesus, Jesus. And truly he will listen to you because he says that for whoever calls upon his name will be saved. But then as um, immediately or as soon as you say, Lord, your word says, God's hands are tied. When you say, Lord, your word says, he says, uh-huh, what did I say? Tell me what I said I would do because I will do what I said I will do. And so you can mention God's name, but then the Bible 
his standards. His word is binding. He has set his word or he has magnified his word above his name. So we have to, we should learn and we should understand that God's hands are also tied when he said he would do or when he says he would do something that he said he would do. And so God's word is unchanging. It stands forever. And so we should have consolation and assurance in this father because God has said he would do it. And this is the focus of tonight, even as we peruse um, the last chapters of the book of Esther. Today we are considering or we are looking at the faithfulness of God, especially to his word, as seen in the story of Esther. So we are considering the faithfulness of God, especially to his word. Amen. So um, I'm reading verses. We are going back to Esther, Esther chapter 8, and I'm reading verses 8. He said that you yourself write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name, and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. And so what is this decree? What decree did Esther and Mordecai come up with? We look at verses 10. It says that by these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the forces of any people or province that would assault them, both children, and women into plunder their possession. So the Esther and Mordecai also were given the opportunity to write a rule to counteract what Haman said. And this is what they said that um, the Jews should also man up, they should also stand on their feet to gather together and to protect themselves, to destroy and also try to annihilate any force which will come against them to assault them. So they also shouldn't spare anyone who would want to come together to attack them. So I think we have to, I want us to foresee and remind ourselves of um, what happened in um, the Garden of Eden. You see, what did God say, and especially concerning the fruits? He said that in the day you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. And so when they ate it, definitely, I'm, I'm sure you know that they died. If you are still not very sure about the particular answer and you are still confused, I think you have to go back to the previous series. And in the garden, you you have a better understanding. So God told Adam that in the day you eat of this particular fruit, you will surely die. And that was God's word to Adam. And surely they died. They died when they took of the particular fruit. But what did God do about it? You see, um, John chapter 3, verse 16, which we all know, the Bible tells us that for God so loved the world. So for God so loved the world. God loved Adam. God loved him. But then he has said that the day you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Doesn't mean that, oh, because God loves them, he's going to say, oh, because I love you and now I've changed my mind. I'm not going to kill you again. Or sorry, you are not going to die again. Uh-huh. So that's not the, um, that's not what happened. Even though God loved them and God has so much care for them and God cared for them and all that, but then his love did not cause him to change his mouth or his love for them did not cause him to change what he has said concerning them and truly they died but then what did God say like what happened in um, Esther you see in the book of Esther what did the king tell them that you want to change this particular situation you yourself should also write another decree or you yourself should write another 
in my name or in the king's name to counteract what Haman said. And so like what Esther and Haman did, and I think we'll go to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. So like what Haman and Mordecai did, God also counted the evil which befell on man with his same word or with the same word. So in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, the Bible says that I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So he said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and you shall, and between your seed and her seed and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And I'm sure in the garden series that we, um, we had some time ago, we talked about this particular seed and we realized this particular seed speaks of Jesus Christ. And so what I want us to understand and what God wants us to understand that, so even though um, because of Adam's sins, even though because of um, human's decree, um, you are dead. So the death of Adam, um, sorry, the sins of Adam and even the decree of Haman might have caused death in our life, but then the Bible makes us understand that God makes a new decree, which is this particular seed he talks of. So God makes a new decree, which is that through Christ, we will all be saved by having faith and believing in Christ Jesus. We who were in sin or we who were condemned to death because of Adam's sin, we who were condemned to death because of Haman's decree, we are now having life because of faith in Jesus Christ. And this is very important because and a lot of people will say, oh, God loves us. Why didn't he just give us life? Or God loves us. Why didn't he just make us anew or make us have life because of his love? And we can all see that because of what God has said or because of the word of the king, which is binding, which is unchanging, it stands forever unless another decree or another word, which has a higher authority or which is equally binding, counteracts that particular decree. And God loves us. And that's why he gives us this opportunity that we should seek this particular, this new decree in him. And when we seek this new decree and put our faith in Christ Jesus, we will have life again. So in verse, verse 16, in verse 16, we realize that after they had received the decree, after the message was shared to the provinces and the Israelites knew and received the decree, they were all happy. The Bible said that the Jews had light and they had gladness and they had joy and honor. And this is also seen um, with regards to Jesus Christ. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ received light into his or her life, received joy into his or her life, received gladness and received honor. So we all have to um, accept this new decree and follow Jesus Christ. Have faith in Christ Jesus and you have life and they will be free from the death which comes from the sins of Adam. And so um, this particular word of the king or the fact that God's word is binding, the fact that God's word is unchangeable, it may be dangerous or like it's terrible in some way because if God says his word is 
forever is well remains forever which means that if there is anything that God says which may not be in favor of you then it means that it is going to be standing forever but then it's also advantageous to us because it makes us have assurance that all that God has promised concerning our lives whether God has said you be the head or not the tail whether God has said he will bless you whether God has said that um, everything that happens in your life will work out for good of you it's it gives us the assurance that because god's word is forever standing because god's word is forever true and because god cannot lie all that he has said concerning you will come to pass and as i said because king darius because i'm um, king Herod, King Ahasuerus, because of what they had said, even though they were not in favor, they were not so happy about the decrees they had made earlier, because of the word they had said, they were bound to fulfill that particular decree, and that's how God's word is. So because God's word is binding, it's forever, and we can have assurance in the fact that whatever God has said, he's going to do it, and he's going to accomplish it. So in our previous episode, we spoke about the wisdom of Esther. We spoke of the favor um, Esther had before the king. We spoke of the boldness of um, Mordecai, and then we gave them fans. We gave them all the fans that they are doing well. But then the little that um, I learned from this particular book, um, what I realized is that this book is not really about them. It's not really about Esther. Neither is it really about Mordecai. But then the book of Esther is really about God watching over his work to perform. That God was behind the scenes and then orchestrating all the events to accomplish what he has said that he would accomplish. So the seed that was mentioned in Genesis chapter 3, that the Bible says that he shall cause enmity between your seed and then her seed, that um, her seed will bruise the serpent's heel. So we want to look at Genesis chapter 22, verses 17. This was God's word to um, Abraham. After Abraham had obeyed God, um, God's word to Abraham. So God says that, I'm starting from 15. So he says that then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld, withheld your son, your only son, bless and I'll bless you so nice and multiply and I'll multiply your descendants as stars of the heaven and as the sun which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies and in your seed take note of and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice and in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed and i want us to consider in your seed which particular seed is God of numbers that in this particular seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed and if you We'll go back, we'll go to um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. It says that um, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He did not say unto seeds as of many. So the Bible is saying that God did not say to seeds, referring to many people, but then he to seed as to many people, but as of one and to your seed who is Christ. So Galatians is making us understand that this particular seed that um, 
um, God spoke of in Genesis chapter 22, verses um, 17, talks of Jesus Christ. And Galatians, also the seed talked about in Genesis chapter 3, concerning your seed will bruise um, the, um, his head, your bruise his head and the other seed will bruise his seal also talks of jesus christ so this particular seed we are talking about is jesus christ and we realize that this particular seed was to come from the line of abraham which means that he's going to be definitely a jew and so i want you to understand that jesus christ was prophesied that um, you'll be from the line of the jews and so would you do you think that God will watch Haman, a mere man, to eliminate the Jews. He has said, um, when he has said to Adam that your seed, from your seed, all nations will be blessed. Definitely not. If God has said that, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth out because out of your seeds or from your seeds shall all nations be blessed. You think that God will just watch and let Haman kill the, um, the descendants or kill the Jews whom Jesus Christ is coming to and um, will come out of. And I think it's definitely, you know, the Bible says that um, heaven and earth will pass away. And God says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And then this man, Mahasmaru, puts it this way, that God is willing to destroy the whole heaven and earth to ensure that his word comes to pass. And so because of what God has said concerning Jesus Christ, because of what God has said concerning Abraham's seed, because of what God has said concerning the whole nations of the world, that because of this seed, because of Jesus Christ, all the whole earth, or the whole earth will be blessed. That's, that's what you and I are benefiting from. This blessing speaks of salvation. And because of Jesus Christ, all the nations of the earth are benefiting from salvation. And so do you think God will watch over uh, or God will watch him and destroy the Jews through whom Jesus Christ is coming to, to come out of? And I think it's definitely, you know, and so from here we are coming to look at um, the dramatic turning of events to assure ourselves and let us know that everything that happened in the lives of um, Esther and Mordecai wasn't just by their own might, it was just God um, using them or just God working in them, God orchestrating the events of their lives to favor his word. It was just God ordering their steps so that the line of the Jews will be preserved so that God's word concerning his seed, God's word concerning Jesus Christ, God's word concerning the blessing of the entire nations will be will be realized. So beginning, we realize that. And so the first one I'll talk about is the favor Esther had in, in the sight of Hagar, the keeper of women, and even the king himself. I'm sure there were a number of women, lots of women, hundreds of women. But then do you think it is just by natural occurrence or just by coincidence that um, Esther found favor, not just before the king, not just before Hagar then, but before Hagar, the keeper of women, who intentionally groomed Esther to give Esther the choices, to give Esther the things that they himself will be pleased with and i think it was all by god's favor and all god orchestrating or ordering the steps of um, esther and i also want to um, speak of what even monica said to esther that you yet yet who knows whether you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this reminding her of the fact that 
it wasn't just by mere coincidence that she found herself or she found herself to be in such a place or to be called queen of the whole provinces. But then it was perhaps because of a plan that God had for her, because of a purpose that God has put for her. So Monica was reminding her that God might have placed you in this particular position for a reason. And definitely it's true because of when we read the book and the entire story, we realize that it was true that God had brought them there for a particular reason. And the next one I want to talk about is um, the king's insomnia and the reading of their record. You see, I don't know much about ancient times, but then I don't think the book of records was a lullaby, like a book of lullaby, where um, if the kings are unable to sleep, they go and tell people, and tell their servants, oh, I want to sleep, so can you please read me a lullaby? And then they go and take the book of records, and then they'll sing or they'll read it to them. I'm being quite sarcastic, but I don't think that it's just by mere coincidence, but then it was all God ordering their steps, all God orchestrating events so that the word will come to pass or he will preserve the people of the Jews. So it's not by mere coincidence that the king ordered us, oh, get me the book of records. I believe that it was God who directed his path, who was God who gave him that particular desire or emerging or that particular idea came to his mind that, oh, bring the book of records. And then he found Mordecai had done something worth appreciating. So this also tells us, and it makes us understand that it's not just their efforts, but then it was God who was directing them all along. And what beats my imagination, what really marvels me, and I call it the love charm or the love spell, that twice, twice, and um, the king Ahazarus told Esther that, what do you want? What is your request? I will give you everything you ask for, ask you half of my kingdom. I don't know, but I think this is very, I don't know, I, I, I see this to be very, very strange that the whole king of these 127 provinces, if you look there, no, they weren't just like near provinces, like the king was quite rich, he was, he was a great and mighty king, he was so rich. So for him to say, Esther, you can ask everything of me, up to half, half of my kingdom, it's so strange, it's so huge. I don't know, and that's why I call it love charm or love spell, whether the king was lured or the king was under the charm of Esther. And it tells you that it was just God's favor, absolute favor. It wasn't just by Esther's beauty. I don't know if mere beauty can charm a king like this, but then um, I want us to understand that then it was God doing everything. Okay, so the next one I'll talk about is um, the fact that the Jews did not even need or they didn't have to struggle or help to fight their enemies. The Bible says that the king's and governors and officials helped the Jews to even defeat their enemies. And these are all the works of God, the invisible hand of God controlling their affairs of their lives. So in the book of Esther, even though God is not mentioned, it's quite, it's quite obvious that the works of God are evidently seen in this book. And, and I wondered why the name God or God wasn't mentioned. And I thought perhaps maybe it was because the Israels were, uh, the Jews were made a, a laughing stock. Because you know, um, 
And that particular time was among the nations where like wars between gods or wars between the gods of these particular nations who are fighting. So if you are defeated, it's as though your god is dead or your god is, has been defeated. And so Israel had been or Israel been in exile for quite a long time. They have felt as though their god had deserted them or as though their god had forgotten about them. They might have been a laughing stock because um, perhaps people knew of their background, how they defeated the Israelites, but then they can be seen to be among foreign and foreign people. This signifies the fact that they were slaves and so they were defeated. So perhaps God wasn't mentioned or they were scared or they were afraid or even they were even shy to mention their God because they might have been a laughing stock. And so and this is what I and sometimes we feel, especially when we are going through difficult circumstances, and it seems as though God is not um, with us, or it seems as though God is nowhere to be found. We should um, sit down and take a retrospect. Uh, retrospect. We should think about our lives and then ponder of our lives instead of complaining. And then we'll look, as we look at our lives, we will see the when the works of God evidently displayed in our lives. So sometimes you also take God's work for granted. And so I want to assure you and help you to understand that you shouldn't neglect or take for granted that um, God has raised you as an Esther and he has given you favor before a king. So don't take it for granted that God has made you a queen in a particular circumstance. Don't take it for granted that God has been like Mordecai decided to honor you. Like we learned in the three classmates that even in the trials of these three people, David and Daniel and Joseph, God was ordering their steps and God was orchestrating all the events of their lives. So it's the, it was the invisible hand of God watching over their lives. And so we want to encourage ourselves that God is faithful to watch over his word. And one thing that then, um, one last thing I also talk about, um, quite ironically, when the Jewish had victory and they were able to defeat the people of um, Haman and his people and all those who opposed the Jews, they declared a particular holiday a feast and they called it Purim. And this Purim comes from the word Per and the Per, which um, means lots or die. The same prayer that um, Lot used to set a date to, to destroy the Jews. And through this force says that he who sits in heaven shall love. The Lord will make mockery of them. So we should know that and should and have the assurance that the world puts out strategic master plan of the devil over your life will come to naught in the name of Jesus. We should encourage ourselves and know that the devil will be a laughing stop. Whatever he has set out to do, like prayer was used as an, a day of feasting. The date, the date that your enemy has set to destroy you will be a date of um, great joy for you in Jesus' name. And why do we have to say that? Or why am I saying that? It's because the Lord God, his word, which is the word of a king over your life will stand forever. It cannot be changed. And that God will watch over his word in your life, perform in the name of Jesus. So have this assurance that God who began with you will end with you. His word over your life will, um, will, will be realized in the name of Jesus. Right? So trust him and don't give up. Even in times where you don't see God or you don't evidently see God's hand in your life is behind the scenes. Amen.
if the word of an earthly king is so binding, how much more the word of the King of Kings? God bless you so much, Bene, for your expose and your perusal on the final chapters of the book of Esther. Colossians chapter 2, the verse 14. We just want to spend some time in prayer. Colossians 2, 14. And it says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it away, nailing it to the cross. I take it again. Colossians 2, verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it away, nailing it on the cross. Nailing it on the cross. Every handwriting of Haman, which is against us, which is contrary to us, he has nailed it on the cross. So as Bernard was speaking, one thing that I find that many of us take for granted is that, do we really believe God's word? Because we seem to believe every handwriting against us, except the handwriting of God for us. We are so easily frightened when people tell us all sorts of cock and bull stories, but yet we are not emboldened when we see or when we read God's word. Simply when you read, will tell you that I saw this or I saw that or because of something that happened in the past or because of this and this, we are experiencing this and that. See the way we feel so paralyzed by such words, but we don't feel energized when we read words like this. Because as I keep saying, for some strange reason, we have an affinity to every other word than the word of God. But as Bene has spoken to us and as God's word is that he has blotted out every handwriting against you. Some things are legally there because of certain things people have done. For example, if you're doing Benji's expose, the Bible said that when Haman was hanged, everybody related to Haman was hanged also. The wife, the children, and every relative of Haman was also hanged. That lets us know the power of association. It's true that because of your association with a particular ancestor, or a particular grandfather, or a particular grandmother, or a particular something, things are in your what we call generational cases or bloodlines or however you want to put it. But God's word to us is that even though Naaman's decree has been sent, there is also another decree. So the issue is which decree are you going to believe? And I pray for us all. I want to pray that Father, may we believe your decree. May we believe your decree because you have blotted out every handwriting of ordinance which is against us, Lord. Father, every handwriting of, of ordinance against our finances, every handwriting of ordinance against our health, against our progress, against our relationship, against our marriage, against anything that concerns us. There has been another decree and we choose to believe the decree of God's word for our lives in the name of Jesus. Everybody who has been paralyzed by every decree of Haman, as God's word is coming forth to you, you are free in the name of our Lord Jesus. Every ancestral curse, every generational curse, which is legally there, there has been another legal decree. 
the handwriting of finances against your health, another decree has been God. We stand by the truth of God's word and we proclaim liberty to everyone listening. As Jesus said, that the Spirit of God is upon me for this purpose has anointed me. And one of the things is to proclaim liberty to everyone that is bound by the unction of the word of God. We proclaim liberty into our lives in the name of our Lord Jesus by the anointing of the Spirit of God and by the truth in the word of God we proclaim liberty into our lives indeed we are free because every handwriting has been blotted out and has been nailed on the cross and having spoiled all principalities and powers uh, he has made a show of them publicly triumphing over them in the cross father we thank you that you are more than victorious we thank you that we are enjoying the generosity of thee for we thank you that you became a curse for our sin for it is written death said the any man that hundred and three because of this blood we are redeemed we are redeemed from every curse we are redeemed from every ordinance against us we are redeemed from every decree because of the blood that is speaking continually over our behalf. We thank you for freedom and we celebrate our freedom. It's our independence day. It is our freedom because on the cross, when he said it is finished, he has brought it out everything and indeed it is finished. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Ah, we thank you for this escape route in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you so much for being with us. And we hope to see you again next week, even as we begin another exciting series. Remember to give God your very best and to make sure that the only thing you owe any man is love. Invite a friend to come and join me in our discussion, our study, even as we renew our minds in God's will. Bye-bye and see you next week.